hand him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome to the spoiler room. Yes, we are continuing Bat Month all in June. And we covered Batman 1989 last week, so it's only natural that we follow it up with Batman Returns from 1992. And tonight in the Spoiler room, we have a great crew with us, as well as a fresh voice joining us, talking about uh, Batman. We have David. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Hey, yourself? Doing well. Glad you could join us here in the spoiler room to talk about this uh, interesting sequel. <laughs> and uh, next to David on his left is Cole Meredith back in the his house. Hello, Cole. Hey, Mark. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, excited good. to talk about this film. And to the other side of David is the diva of the spoiler room herself, the one and only Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Meow, gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so glad you could join us tonight, especially uh, because of a certain character in this uh, movie. Definitely wanted to get your perspective and so glad you could join us and bring that perspective with you tonight. And next to Dawn, the BFD himself, Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. How are you? I just want to say that as far as the sequel goes, this is only slightly better than my awful walk-in impression. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And yes, folks, we are talking about Batman Returns 1992, directed by Tim Burton. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. into you can't know to a girl like me he plots a foul reign of destruction my dear penguins thanks to batman 
And now, if you're not familiar with the story of Batman Returns, shame on you. Uh, but we get the story here of a corrupt businessman and a grotesque penguin character plot to take control of Gotham City. And only Batman can stop them while the Catwoman has her own agenda. This follow-up to the huge hit that was uh, Batman uh, took a little while to get out and... Yeah, I want to get everybody's initial feelings after they uh, saw Batman Returns. So, David, since uh, you are new here, we'll get you first. Do you remember uh, after the first time you uh, saw Batman Returns, how did you feel about it, considering... Uh, the first you know, time or recently? Uh, let's go the first time you felt about it, and then if it changed for you recently. Well, I believe the first time that I actually saw it was actually in Mill Road Theater when it was actually still in existence. And uh, I remember seeing that one and Batman Forever at the same theater. And um, to me, uh, the, the initial reaction to, uh, uh, to it early on was uh, uh, that it was kind of uh, kooky. Uh, um, I didn't really like it as much as the first one, and now later, um, in the present day, I like it a little bit better th uh, than I did, but there are some things that I noticed while I was watching it this time that I probably didn't pay attention to last time. <laughs> It's interesting how things change for a film uh, that you you know watch and you come back and revisit it and and some things you noticed. Uh, I watch this film just like the first one a lot, and yeah, I, I'm with you. It's, there's a few things I still notice about it. So, uh, Cole, how about you? Your initial uh, when you saw Batman Returns and has it changed at all? Yeah, man, I saw it. I was probably 13 when I when I first saw it, or 14. And I saw it in a theater alone, uh, I think the Saturday after it came out, or within two weeks. Uh, and the theater was pretty empty. I mean, you know, it wasn't vacant, but it was only like halfway full for like a, a early Saturday show for such a new <laughs> big movie like that. Um, and I had a very bizarre experience because I remember really getting into it. Um, this would be, this is about two years before I fell in love with the crow. So I was sort of honing these Gothic tastes, you know? Um, and I, I, I remember really getting into it, but not for any of the reasons I thought I would. And my distinct impression leaving the theater with the people that were there was that they were offended. 
so I had this like really weird experience where I, you know, I liked it. I wanted to get to know more about it, watch it a couple more times and figure out what was so strange and unique about it. But also having this weird experience where I swear to God, man, when I, I'm sure you guys had this experience too. When I saw the 1989 version, it was the complete opposite. I mean, when you, when the Batmobile showed up, people stood up and clapped. And I'm not talking like a couple people. I'm talking to like the whole theater. So to go from that to this really weird, intimate, morbid kind of experience with these really sinister jokes was something I was really into. And I really liked seeing as a Batman fan even. Um, but uh, none of my friends liked it. And uh, none, of, you know, I, I saw it a couple times in the theater and it wasn't a good experience either time in terms of audience participation. And all these years later, I mean, my opinion still hasn't really changed. I still like it for reasons that I don't typically like superhero movies. I think it may fail in the last act a little bit. There's certain things you need to pull off a really good Batman movie and, and a good action set piece in the climax is one of them. And, and this lacks that. I think you could have had him take on the red triangle gang underground there and, you know, got some, got another good, you know, uh, sort of fist fight type of ballet thing going on Burton style. But Aside from that, I just think it's really a, a unique uh, film for reasons I'm sure we'll get into. You know? mm -hmm. Awesome. And Don, how about you when you first watched it and then uh, had that changed at all after you rewatched it? So um, I'm in the minority here. I did not see this when it was in the theater. Oh, okay. I saw it, I saw it when it was released to video because um, it took a lot to get me in the theater right around that time. I was just uh working on i was just in college and it it just took a lot to to get me out of study mode at that time <laughs> just before i met sheldon anyhow um <clears throat> so when i saw it i didn't have the um i didn't get the audience participation most of my friends had already seen it and i and had, you know, pretty much not liked it all that well, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. I I didn't see a problem with it. I mean, it was it was a darker and more humorous at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed that as well uh, with it with the rewatch that it was like that. And uh, do you still you still have the same feelings of it today? I have very mixed feelings about it today. Mm -hmm. um, I still, it is still my favorite of the, it is still my favorite of the sequels from, you know, before the Dark Knight. Right. Um, I even almost, I, I still, I even like this one more than I like the 1989 <laughs> one. Was it the Pee Wee Herman factor? No, just kidding. <laughs> it didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I thought it was done. I thought it was done really well. I really liked mm -hmm. the characters. And you know, it didn't hurt that there was a really strong, not horribly pathetic female lead. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is the catwoman, which mm -hmm. uh, character we're definitely gonna explore a little bit tonight. Uh, <laughs> things that I noticed after watching it just before this uh, podcast actually. So uh, yeah, uh, and Glenn, how about you with your uh, when you first saw it in the theaters, and uh, have your feelings changed with it over the years? Um, 
my feelings have definitely changed over the years. When I saw it, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I didn't like it as much as the first one. Mm -hmm. um, revisiting it over the years, I like it less. <laughs> um, I don't care at all for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman or just the way they handle Catwoman. Mm -hmm. um, Danny DeVito is fine as the Penguin, although uh, some of the things, I I don't know, it just... It, it it was this mix. It was it was too much. I think it was too much of, for me. It was too much of a mix of the the campy sixty Batman and a dark gritty Batman. They were trying mm -hmm. to do both at the same time. I don't think it. At least for me, it didn't mesh well. Sure. And, so you know, uh, you're going. We're going to be dark and we're going to be gritty and we're going to have six foot tall penguins. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I. Part of that, from my understanding, because um, for me, I after the first one, uh, if you didn't gather from the previous episode, folks, I loved the first one. So when I heard there was going to be a sequel, I ate up everything Batman Returns. I was like, oh, yes, you know, I've got, and I actually have it on the YouTube channel, and they haven't taken it down yet. I've got the half-hour primetime TV show they did featuring the bat, the cat, and the penguin, uh, because oh, back, yeah. because back in the day they actually occasionally did a TV show that would promote a film. Not often though. This was still kind of a unique experience that they had it. Um, you know, and I ate that up. I read about it, and part of that campiness, uh, Glenn, was not so much because of Tim Burton so much as the producers of this film. Uh, which we'll get from what I read up on it, which we'll get into a little bit as well with uh, Tim Burton and and big budget blockbuster films, and, and him still being an indie director. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll get into it now with Batman Returns because I want to talk about this opening scene because we actually get introduced to our villains before we actually are introduced to the batman which i thought was a was an okay approach because of you know the fact we had a lot more batman in the first one but uh, not only do we get more uh of the villains but we also get more of uh, uh alfred uh, and a more violent batman glenn what'd you think about the more violent batman and and just that uh we really don't get to see him pretty much in the first say five ten minutes of this film <sighs> <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, um, the movie is called Batman, right? Batman Returns. So that's what they call it. He'll return after these messages, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, again, go. A big part is is going back. Is is it just for me? It just does not hold up. I. Mm -hmm. Even even now, seeing Keaton in in some of the roles, the serious roles he does now, the roles he's doing now where he's serious, like when he did uh, Birdman and is that what it was? Yeah, Birdman. Yeah, Birdman and stuff like that. He is such a different actor than he was thirty years ago. Mm -hmm. um, in a good way, I, or in a in a good in, in, way a, in a very in a very good way, in a very uh -huh. good way. Um, even. I just it's it's I have hard hard time, and maybe it's because of, of so much of the recent Batman's where it's much more, um, 
everything is so much darker and just you know that that I Batman. Uh, uh, I need a lozenge. Uh, Batman. It just, I just, it's, it's, he's just, it, this, this era, Michael Keaton for me is just, is just too much Mr. Mom, gung ho type, uh, type guy that it's just, ah, even in the suit, I'm like, it's just, uh, just, just didn't work for you, did it? It just, it just doesn't. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't for me. Mm hmm. As as much as I like some aspects of the film, it's just I just can't I just can't anymore. I I, I don't go back and I, I don't really re rewatch any of any of these other than the first one on rare occasions because I, sure. I like I, I still love the uh, Burton's vision as far as like the the setting the scenes you know the scenery and stuff like that and and the set design I love that yeah well that that all comes I think why that works so well with the first one and especially this one is because Burton's an artist first, you know, I mean, he's animator and such, and that really comes across on, uh, on both these films. So uh, yeah, the worlds at least that he paints are really visually interesting. And again, like in the first one, I think he shot this and handled this again, like panels of a comic book. Uh, the, you know, he's creating a live comic book rather than, uh, you know, just a, a movie more told like a comic book than a movie, but uh, I can see Keaton. He, he's still, he didn't jive with a lot of people even back then. And I think even less with, with Batman returns than in the first one. Um, if I remember some of the criticism, uh, Cole, how about you with, uh, the way they open this and pretty much throughout the whole film, this really becomes a little more of the villain story more so than exploring any more with Batman, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it works best that way, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always thought that uh, this, I mentioned this on our last show, so I won't recap the whole thing. But I think these directors, all of them, everybody from Burton to, to Nolan have a reason for not making Batman the star. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a very good reason. Um, and, you know, you guys, I, I know most fans disagree. You know, bring back the bat. You know, we want more bat. Uh, there are fans that stop there with a stopwatch and literally time out the amount of time he's in and break that down into a percentage. And apparently in The Dark Knight Rises, he was only in 14% of the film. I think that's perfect. Mm -hmm. I, I think the villains are more interesting. And I think if you're going to do sequels, you need to leave some of Bruce a mystery. I mean, shit, by Batman Forever, they were already going back into what they'd done in the first movie. Yeah. You know, they were already sort of digging. They were already like, oh, we're out of ideas. And then by Batman and Robin, there was zero angst. It was just like Schumacher <laughs> was like, okay, just we can't have him whining and crying anymore. Just, you know, I, and I like that too, believe it or not. I thought that worked for that one single movie. Uh, but, you know, to, to answer your original question, yeah, I mean, uh, introducing the villains right up front I thought was great because – it's interesting what Burton does is he only almost makes you feel sympathy for the penguin as the film goes on. And yet you saw him as a baby, like suck this cat into a crib and just, I mean, the thing is pure evil. So, I mean, we're not, you know, make no mistake from frame one, this baby is, is a monster. Mm -hmm. um, but Burton plays this cool trick. And also it's a very timely film right now with the manipulation of politics in this great character of Max Shrek, where he sort of 
builds this world of villains that is eternal. I mean, until mm -hmm. our, our current political system changes. I think there's some really interesting things going on, not even in the background, right up front, that great scene with Keaton and Shrek. And uh, anyways, uh, I think there's a reason the villains are up front and Batman mm -hmm. is a supporting character. And I know I'm in the minority on that, but I, I like Batman in the shadows. You know, I sure. like him in the background. And, so that's and just me. And Keaton was still all right for you as Batman? Yeah, I thought he was great. And, you know, the interesting thing they do is they open this up and he hasn't learned. Uh, well, just to start off, I think Keaton is interesting because he's not a playboy. He doesn't play it as a playboy. He's the only guy to not do that. I mean, even by the time Kilmer got there in the next film, he was already, you know, the ladies' man. I think it was really interesting to play him as, like, this awkward uh, almost somewhat virginal character. But in terms of the Batman character, I think it was interesting that he hasn't learned anything from the Joker's death. The no-kill rule is still in, is not in effect for the first half of this movie, right? He's blowing people up. like He's, he's killing them left and right. But then, if you notice, the real DC Batman at the end, through his affections with Selina and... and through that love story, it does change him. And at the end, with the Shrek character, he says, hey, look, you're going to jail, right? Mm -hmm. And that's Batman. That, yeah. that is, so I think there is a character arc here. I don't think it's just, oh, Burton throwing, you know, paint at a, at a, at a you know, seeing what sticks, as some people said. Mm -hmm. He didn't understand Batman. And Burton himself has admitted he's not a huge comics guy. But I do think that Keaton, in, in conjunction with Burton, is, is doing something here with the character you know yeah and uh david uh, how about you with that then uh you think uh opening up batman with him being a uh, uh, violent you know and we're focusing a little bit more on the villains but then at the end batman seems to want to bring them in and book them daniel versus kill shrek uh you know how'd you feel uh, the arc and that that they did with batman here in this film well as we know uh, the opening um, opened up with Cobblepot, its yeah. mansion, and what uh, uh, whatnot. And um, I, after seeing this again, I had actually forgotten that Ruben played the the, the Penguin's father. So, uh, so to me, remembering bits and pieces as I'm going uh, uh, throughout the whole film is kind of like unwrapping the mold, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, to me. I think if he hadn't gone that way, uh, way the movie wouldn't have been as entertaining at, as it is. But I, I'm mixed on this beginning par uh, part because I kind of wanted to see the penguin a little bit more. Because, because uh, uh, see the, the bedroom down the hall, hear the wife scream. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you, you hear him go down the hall. Uh, I'll see him go down the hall, and all of a sudden you hear him scream. You know, I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to see more of the Earth. <laughs> you wanted to see. You wanted to see more of Baby Penguin. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to see how grotesque the, uh, he he mm -hmm. was. Even though, in in a sense, I, I did like uh, 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 how you know in the next scene uh, that. You saw, you saw him grab the cat, eat it, you know. But uh, to uh, to me, that uh, that beginning scene was kind of a cop out to me. Mm -hmm. So, sure. um, 
I wanted to see more. But <laughs> as far as the as far as the the direction where uh, where the villains were, uh, were more of the main characters, I I definitely think that that, uh, that is a way to uh, to go about and explain the uh, the Gotham Batman universe. Mm -hmm. You know, because you need to see the background of these uh, these characters. You need to see where their origins were at least in the mind of the director right and and the writer and from what i understand stand burton was given more creative control he didn't really want to do this a sequel at first <laughs> yeah he didn't you know? he didn't want to do it um but the producers also started having input when they realized what type of film he was making <laughs> yeah because uh, it wasn't exactly what they they kind of wanted, which is kind of funny. Um, because Burton wanted to go even darker, apparently, <laughs> than what he did. As darker? far as as far as as far as Batman and his bombs and how how um he used a little bit more weapons than his gadgets. Yeah, so to speak. I think that was a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, to me, because to me, Batman was not uh, a guy of uh, of automatic weapons or self destructive things. That was the that was the villains. Mm -hmm. That was the villains. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in a sense, I almost feel like Batman was half villain in in this movie. That's yeah. That's so. True, and maybe that's what he was trying to go for after being affected so much with what happened with the Joker, possibly. Uh, but he doesn't flesh that idea out too much, so no. Batman comes out just as this really kind of violent, vengeful guy. Don, what about you with the feeling with what they did with Batman here as far as he, he's actually killing guys and such and, and kind of the way they open this as well, where we don't get a lot of Batman in the beginning? Now... The the not getting a lot of Batman in the beginning didn't bother me as as I mentioned when we were discussing the 1966 Batman. Um, Batman is defined by his villains. He mm -hmm. is he has become who he is because of his villains. He is he has learned he has grown, um, and uh, gained experience and compassion and a little human and humanity and darkness certainly darkness through his experiences with his villains um everything that happened with in the previous movie with uh joker cole had mentioned um he doesn't seem to and and with vicky vale um they just mentioned that very briefly in the movie when they're talking about his uh, in that scene where Bruce and Selena are kind of talking about his ex-girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't really seem to have moved on a whole lot or, or processed those events very well. Um, certainly he's become darker and more brooding. Um, and he's misstepping. And I think he learns that he's misstepping um, by delving too deeply into that darkness and the violence. And as Cole had mentioned, by the end of the movie, uh, because of his relationship and his experiences with uh, Selena Catwoman, he uh, he does 
humanize more and move away from that darkness. Yeah, I think Selena helps him realize what path he was on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because Selena, by the end of this film, is Batman at the beginning of this film. Mm-hmm. So wow. yeah, you're right. Uh, she, I think it does kind of open his eyes a bit to that. Now, uh, glad you mentioned Selena because that's the the next character I wanted to talk about, which was uh, Selena Kyle here and, and Catwoman. And uh, Dawn, I want to I want to start off with you uh, for Catwoman. Uh, how'd you feel about uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's portrayal of this uh, interesting character who has been the uh, love interest of Batman for many moons. Um, At the time, I really liked it. Um, she was she was the hot thing, the hot commodity, the popular choice at the time. She doesn't do a terrible job. I mean, nobody's Julie Newmar or the Kit, but <laughs> um, she's athletic enough. Mm -hmm. That outfit was miserable. <laughs> Did not like the outfit at all, did you? No, no. The, and the brown you know, I don't know. I, I don't care if you if, if you get thrown off a building and, and die and are awaken, awoken by mystical cats who turn you into a supernatural being. Um, first reaction of most people is not to go home and create a vinyl cat suit that you have to be vacuum suctioned into. Um <laughs> Uh, but I, I, Michelle Pfeiffer is an okay choice. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she certainly got the job done. Uh, her chemistry with Michael Keaton worked for the film at the time. Uh, looking at some of the other choices that they had on board or, or that they had considered, I like Michelle Pfeiffer more than some mm -hmm. of those options, like Lorraine Bracco. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure if Sean Young would have been able to pull it off, maybe, but it'd be interesting to see her take that role the way it was written. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't I think the see closest it. I think the closest thing she got to she she could have gotten the tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was certainly sexy enough, but I, I you know, look thinking about her performance in Dune. Yeah, it, it, that's a that's a big maybe. I mean, that's mm -hmm. about as close as I can get to her being a Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, I I think more of the it's pulling off the Selena Kyle that would have probably been a little bit tougher for for Sean Young. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we'd get something like Doctor Jekyll and Doctor Jekyll and Ms Hyde. <laughs> Doctor Jiggle and Ms Hyde. I want. Sorry, Doctor Jekyll. I know. You know I know the Tim Daly one. Yes, yes, Doctor Jekyll. Doctor Jekyll and and Miss Hyde's a completely different movie. Uh, yeah, but, no, I, <laughs> I get what you're saying with that. Uh, and David, how about you with uh, Catwoman? Uh, how how did you feel about Michelle Pfeiffer in this role and, and how they wrote this character? The second half of her role. I thought that she was really getting into uh, into her role. Her role, mm -hmm. uh, of course, she has that cheesy line where she says, "I'm Catwoman. Hear me roar!" <laughs> you know, that's just so cheesy. I mean, it, it, 
I mean, yeah, I, I understand it's bringing out her wild side, but I had a problem with how they brought about the origin of her story. Because mm -hmm. uh, um, when she died, so the cats come around and commune and do some kind of like running around on her and all of a sudden her eyes open, you know? And, and, and so, so now she's a cat. So, uh, so what, did they inject her with something? Did that cat hump her to um, have her become what she was? I, I'm not sure. And then she goes home and do, uh, does uh, do, uh, does all that sew, uh, sewing of the leather, you know? It's like, <laughs> it, 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 it's like kooky. Uh, I, I, how can you connect? Uh, uh, okay, so all these cat, uh, stray cats all the, uh, and whatnot... So basically, they're they're just they're on top of her, and it's some kind of ritual. Well, I I never took it as a as a mystical thing, and and it was depending on which comic you read, you did have that similar. But I think that was influenced by this film. Um, see, when I the way I took it is, I never took it that she was actually dead, um, and she was brought back to life. The, the way I had gotten it, because she she hits a number of those Shrek um, things before she hits the ground. So I, for me, I never took it as the mystic thing and the cat's waker. I think I took it as just she fell and her fall was broken enough to where she, you know, she's knocked unconscious when she falls. And, um, and, then, she has the, and then she has this, like... Invisible nine lives, supposedly. Right? It's supposedly, but if you look at the way that she talks about the nine lives, she doesn't actually die, but in her brain she did. But she's actually just barely missed death a couple of times, and I think it was a little bit more metaphorical than actual lives. Um, but I, you but know, I, but like I said later on, uh, I, I do mm -hmm. think that she was really getting into a role. Like, like sure. my favorite scene of her is where she was sitting on the bed uh, with Penguin, and she just kind of starts licking herself. You know, <laughs> that, that's my favorite part. Uh, for some, uh, uh, we have a cat. Her name is Sassy, and she does the same damn thing. <laughs> well, the, the exchange between her and Penguin in that scene actually are, is really great as well. I enjoyed that. Uh, quite a bit, but no, I I, I can see uh, you make some uh, really valid points with it. Uh, and again, it's uh, this is why I love movies because everyone sees something different. Um, for me, I guess I never took it as mystical, but I can see definitely how it would almost it could be uh, played either way with that. Uh, Glenn, I know you mentioned earlier you didn't quite care for what they did with the Catwoman character. Uh, so what was what was some of your beefs with this character? Well. Well, for me, there's only one true Catwoman, uh -huh. and that's Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, and Eartha Kitt. Yes, that's the only true Catwoman. Um, I one, I think her outfit's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Thank I you. I really, really think it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, the the you know the the leather and stuff that was always a thing, but this whole like stitched together kind of thing that she's got going on and then uh i remember when i first saw it in the theater when i had probably probably one of my not, i wouldn't say one of my first but one of the ones i remember the most of my kind of a wtf moments is when she starts freaking licking herself i'm like <laughs> what? She, you're taking the whole Catwoman thing just 
too much to that. And and I just I've never been a big Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Mm-hmm. Um. So just just the whole way her her I don't know I just I I, I never never got into her in this role. Um, just I don't know, just something about Michelle Pfeiffer, and then just and then the costume. That just could, uh, the big thing I couldn't get past the costume. Sure, was, sure. was a big part of it. That and the whole you know, oh she died, and then she gets licked by a cat, and now she's like alive again. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, it, what? <laughs> See again, it, I I guess I missed it that that she was actually supposed to be dead because I never took it ever that she actually died and came back. Um, and you know, it, it can, it, she, she looks near death, I will say, but I, I guess I, I'll have to watch it again. Cause I never took it that she actually died. I took it that she, well, was, I mean, this is know. the Batman universe. So you, you know, you can break your back and then just, <laughs> you know, fix yourself. You can raise the dead or, yeah, uh, so if I mean, you really want to. Yeah, yeah, you just go to find yourself a Lazarus pool, take a dip, and there you go. Well, I was just going to say, you just have some guy poke you a few times in the back, and presto, you're fixed. Oh, yes, there's that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it is a comic book world. Uh, take it a little bit to the extreme in Batman Returns versus the first one. I will say that. Uh, Cole, how about you? Uh, where do you feel with Catwoman? Uh, are you one? Uh, would you agree with the rest of the group here? Or uh, are you one that uh, you enjoyed uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in this role? Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in the minority. I, it, it had never occurred to me that it was goofy or strange. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I you know, Don raises some good points, as as does does Glenn for sure. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I never had those thoughts. I thought it was a very unique approach to take uh, care of the the sort of uh, stereotype that everybody makes fun of, which is the crazy cat lady, right? And totally flip that on its heels and turn that into a sex symbol. Although you guys don't like the outfit, which I think is fucking fantastic. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, it's my type of thing. You know, I like uh-huh. the sort of female Frankenstein type of thing they were going for. I like the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer did all her own work with a whip, which, by the way, in the one take where she whips off those four mannequin heads, although they cut it up, she did that. In one take, she did yeah. That all in one take. I don't know why they cut it up. I guess just a stylistic choice. It is a, a comic book movie, so they need frames. But um, I, I like, you know, again, I, with all due respect to the group, I, I just, you know, you drop a guy into a vat of acid, he comes out looking like a clown. Why can't a lady hit her head and go crazy? I, I just, you know, I think it, it makes perfect sense that she just hit her head real hard. She's the neighborhood cat lady, right? All these cats come. Try laying down. I've got four cats. You lay down for a second. All of them are on your chest. That's what cats do. So I just the whole thing made made sense. And then, uh, you know, I guess the the symbolism is too obvious for some. But I like her smashing out the light so it says hell here, and the suit just sort of that she makes represents her fragmented psyche, which is mm-hmm. just sort of like in patches. You know, she's in. Patches. She's far more fragmented uh, than Bruce Wayne is. I would, I think, and I, I, I think her performance as both characters isn't looked at. You know, I think she does both characters very, very different. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, it just worked for me. You know, it was my type of thing. I like how she takes out the the real lead baddie at the end, who is Walken, really. He's the the real, you know, the guy sort of pulling all the strings. In fact, Batman doesn't really take out any of the, the lead villains in this thing, which I think is also an interesting choice. But um, And I like how, as you said, Mark, you blew my mind when you said this, but this movie ends with her where Batman was at the end of the first film, which mm -hmm. is staring up at that light and still hungry for more vengeance. You know, I thought that was a really unique... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I love, I think it's safe to say this is my Catwoman, although I love all versions, but this is, you know, my batshit crazy cat, Catwoman. I love her. I I love the Catwoman uh, of, of 66, and I enjoyed Michelle Pfeiffer in this role because just like the Batman and the characters, it fit for the world. Whether or not, you know, you agree with how it was written, I will say that with the way the rest of this world is done stylistically, I think, I, she, she fit into that world. That's a Catwoman that I could see cropping up in that world. And I think she fit for this world, and, and I enjoyed seeing her in this world. And yeah, for, for what Michelle Pfeiffer did, she does play a little bit with this underlying darker side she already has. I mean, in that opening scene when she first meets Batman and he does, uh, oh, you missed thing, and, and he clocks the guy with the concrete from behind and she grabs the taser, she suddenly gets a Catwoman look just for a minute and, yeah. and, him. and then she goes back to, you know, Selena Cago. Oh, you know, you know <laughs> so it's always bubbling underneath. Um, you know, and as far as the Catwoman suit goes, it, it's Burton's style with the stitching in that. And, you know, for me, I thought that fit with the rest of the palette, but I can definitely see there was some protests, and I remember correctly, and some some uh, people's criticism of how she was portrayed as far as that suit goes, and, and especially the kind of over-sexualization. But uh, that the leads us to... so to speak. Hmm? I said the dominatrix, so, uh, uh, natrix, so to speak. The, yeah. the dominatrix uh, suit. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was a, a supposedly a, a popular suit among certain circles, I think, uh, at that time when it came out. Uh, but it, with, with her uh, having that, you know, a little bit more that, that sexuality to her um, leads me to the other character and, and kind of a realization this time watching it again as, as I've watched it so many times and you, I still see something. But we lead to the penguin. And it's described as the grotesque uh, penguin. And <laughs> Cole, how would you feel about the penguin and, and Danny DeVito's portrayal of this character who is completely different? <laughs> <laughs> completely different than the penguin we got in the 66 Batman or or even in most of the comics all of the comics yes it is and you know this is one one point and I know that you know the uh, a couple of my great friends here don't like the film too much and you know this is one point where I can see the criticism uh, is the penguin character because it really is tweaked be all recognition I mean in one point they try to put the signature uh, like cigarette pipe thing in his mouth, right? And he spits it out. It's basically a completely revamped character from the ground up, which I enjoyed. You know, I, I the Penguin is probably my least 
favorite villain, although I like all the villains, obviously. But in the Batman universe, I just think it's kind of a, a bizarre villain, you know, a guy with umbrellas as, as weapons. And I, I just think it's strange. It's hard to do right. And it's done rarely, and I can see why. And um, I can see, you know, Burton coming into this like, well, what the hell? Am I going to do with this? And, he, you know, he tried to do some good things, you know, by making the Penguin the head of the, the what is it, the Red Triangle Gang. And, um, you know, he tried to work in some interesting things, but in the end it really is all about, uh, you know, the a typical Tim Burton story really doesn't have much to do with the character of the Penguin, which is this guy split down the middle trying to be something he's not. He's really a monster, and he, he'll, he'll never be able to change and. He's a destroyer of innocence, and he ends up uh, dying at, at the very bottom of uh, the city, unknown, very sad, vintage Burton. You know, not not very. Doesn't have very much to do with the penguin, but I like it. Complete with penguin pallbearers. Yeah, penguin <laughs> pallbearers. Yes, that is so fucking bizarre. Wow. <laughs> it's so strange but i love it i love the imagery because you know they are a strange animal you know they're just you know they're just a strange animal to look at you almost feel sorry for a penguin just looking at it you know like geez, i wish i could give it legs you know or something but i think uh it's it's a good it's a great shot you got, like you said earlier mark you got to give burton this he comes up with really good shots you know it's... and then combined with uh who is it stefan sapsky I, I believe, so. yeah, the cinematographer. And then, of course, Elfman's score. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It, anybody out there who hasn't listened to Elfman's score it, it, on its own, in its entirety, you must. It's amazing. Well, it's actually hard not to talk about uh, the Penguin and uh, Elfman's score separately because it was something I noticed in this film watching it as well is the Penguin, a lot of his emotions and stuff are told through Burton's score more than any other character in this film. Uh, every time his role is out, he uh, Elfman's score really comes out as almost you know part of the inner emotions the character is feeling with him more so than even the other characters. Uh, so yeah, they they kind of go hand in hand in here. David, how about you with the very grotesque, very different penguin than we had seen up until this point? Well, see, I think very much that the penguin. Um, had a, a, a humanistic quality to uh, to him because he he did he did want to find out about his family, right? And that was uh, that was uh, that was something that was underlined. Even though you knew he was evil, you knew he 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 wanted to find out what happened to his family, and it, of course he did it in front uh, in front of. Uh, News reporters of Gotham and what uh, whatnot is uh, find, uh, finding out what happened to his family or whatnot, but uh, I, I definitely think that there is a human quality to uh, to mm-hmm. Penguin. But um, I found that the Penguin was very quirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you almost can't tell that it's Danny DeVito under underneath all that yeah. ma- makeup, man. Uh, I mean. <laughs> It, it, it's it's cheesy and yet um it's hard to explain but uh but there is one aspect of his uh his red triangle gang I'd like to point out though that I noticed 
Um, you, you know the part where uh, where all these scully dudes uh, come out on bicycles and shit? Mm-hmm. Yep. Little circular signs on them that made me think of that little bicycle dude from Saw. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And yeah, they- I kept on thinking that James Wan might have had some kind of a, a, a look at these dudes because if you put some hair on that fucking thing and put the damn thing on a tricycle, it would it would definitely be the saw tricycle dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. Though I, I'd love to see these guys running around on like uh, demonic, uh, you know, badass tripped out uh, tricycles. That'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> Gwen, how about you with uh, the penguin and and just how different he was in this? I mean, it, I'm sure many comic book fans out there did not like the liberties Tim Burton took with this character. Yeah. I I am I would be one of those. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It just again, like I said, it's it's it was this mix of of camp with dark that just didn't sit well with me. And then just yeah, <laughs> just I, didn't just didn't care for it. What would you think of Devito's performance though? I mean, he does go I think all his in on this. His performance is fine. Yeah, it's just it's I I think that the character as written is flawed. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like like as in you know he's a flawed person and that's you know makes for a different character. I mean, the the actual concept of the character is flawed, right? Or, or, or the the or the execu- Well, I mean the execution is is his acting, which I think he does fine. But I don't know. It just he, he gets some of the best one liners here. <laughs> he does. He does get some good ones. The, the the problem is is that it's it's hard to take him seriously, right? Uh, most of the time, and and mm-hmm. you're trying to make him dark, but he's too comical mm-hmm. to be taken seriously as dark. Right, and and I could almost I, I could see that definitely that he was a bit more comical than what you might expect. Uh, to the point of when he is dark, you can't quite take him seriously. Don, how about you uh, for our penguin and how grotesque I- and different he was. I can ab- I can see what what Glenn is trying to say. Um, as as far as the penguin goes, they were trying to do something really. It seems to me that they were trying to do something uh, very complex with him. He was not just. He was not just deformed. Um, he was also poisoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was born deformed and monstrous. And so his parents threw him away and he went to live in the sewers and he made comments about living with the toxic waste. So, and which came up repeatedly as he was salivating black and green all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was, he was not only deformed and monstrous, he was also poisoned. Um, so chances are he was probably already dying throughout the film. Um, he wanted to be human. He was trying to be human and he really worked at it. And then when it was obvious he couldn't be human um, through his naivety, through his lack of social skill, through um, just his own monstrous monstrousness, um, he just completely threw it away. 
Right. He was not used to being part of the world of man. He was used to living, stealing, taking, conniving. <laughs> so I think uh, I agree with, with Glenn. Danny DeVito did a really good job. The character was overly complex mm -hmm. for what this movie was. Right. And I can see that. Uh, I, I dug, I, I got into him. And I guess for me, uh, you're absolutely right. I guess I didn't give a huge amount of thought to his character. Because um, even though they were trying to write him as complex, I looked at it as a very simple, straightforward type of character that he's just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. You know, I mean, you know, planning for killing all the firstborn sons of Gotham. You know, that and he gets sidetracked for this. Biblical. Huh? That was almost biblical. That, that was almost biblical. You know, the fact he was a firstborn son. And and so you've got that. But then you got that whole storyline where he kind of diverges and Shrek is trying to use him to be a mayoral candidate <laughs> in this. Showing you the sheeple of Gotham <laughs> that we have here and how, how quick they are to turn on, on anybody. Um which I thought was interesting. But yeah, his, his character, you're right, is a little more complex than what you might expect for this. And also, it, it is Burton really being Burton. This is Burton's penguin. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is not, not your regular Batman penguin. And I, I like what kind of the comics and even the video games have done later with him, making him an arms dealer and uh, you know being more of an organized crime bot, almost more like a Grissom. Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways what's, later on what's funny is later on in the uh, 1993 is the nightmare before christmas he almost did like a two-faced slash penguin character as the mayor you know yes. <laughs> i mean he, he had to he had to have something in his mind to, uh, to have a penguin well Burton Burton's got his own style, and he, he's consistent in his style. I, I'm a huge Burton fan, uh, but I, I fully acknowledge how people didn't quite care for this. And the box office spoke as well for Batman Returns. It made half of what the first one did. Um, so a, a lot of people didn't quite care for what they did with this film, and it was probably because of... Uh, especially the liberty not only they took with the Catwoman, but the Penguin character for sure. Thing I noticed watching this this time, uh, this one has, and I I don't know why I didn't notice it really before. Maybe because I was young and and a little bit older. Well, in '92 I was you know 17, uh, so maybe I didn't catch it. But there are some perverse sexual undertones and overtones in this film that I was like, holy crap, this is PG-13? Don, what would you think of this? I mean, the Penguin, uh, you know, how they handle Pfeiffer and even Batman to a certain extent. There's a lot of perversion going on in this film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it gets bad. <laughs> it, it gets really bad. I mean, the most blatant uh, part was where <laughs> the penguin does his schlocky proposal. Oh, yes. <laughs> to that Catwoman. was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or just before that. In your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, Catwoman does get some good lines. That's one of them where they 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 just framed Batman for the death of the Ice Princess, which, um, you know, there was some right away we got to see the ice princess in beginning and she takes off her you know her robe and shows her her scanty outfit if you will for winter is Mm -hmm. still inappropriate and people are whistling which you know carries through but batman gets framed for her death and they're on the roof and he he gives that description but catwoman gets a great line of saying oh please i wouldn't touch you to scratch you um you know and Penguin is is kind of a walking, for lack of a better term, a walking hard on with Catwoman yeah, around. Well, with everybody. Or I with mean, everybody, yeah. The the he the 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 running monologue mm-hmm. that he is constantly doing under his breath with the young interns and the groping and the talking about groping and the wanting to be groped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to fill her void. Uh, (laughs) some of the lines and stuff in here but not only him but i mean we've got you know catwoman who has you know selena kyle is played here as kind of the and this is the way she she's being portrayed in the movie as as kind of this mousy and and reserved you know uh female character and then the catwoman is completely not only does that outfit sexualized but just the way she is in general very free uh as well so she's kind of got her own thing running on and then batman with his attraction to catwoman has his own kind of sexual thing going on throughout this film so yeah i didn't catch this david how'd you feel did, did, did you catch all the 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 sheer volume of actual like sexual Sexual, in, uh, yeah, uh, I definitely caught some, uh, some of, uh, uh, of that. But there, uh, there is also that um, that uh, wavering point where she, where Catwoman was uh, 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 was looking at that store window, and mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, when Bruce Wayne co- uh, comes up to her and says, "Well, you obviously have a darker side, don't you?" Yeah, uh, I mean. There is, uh, there was that wavering of unconfidence that was in her. So you could see the part where she was Selena Kyle and the uh, the part that she was Catwoman, and to uh, to, uh, to when he offered the din- uh, dinner, you know, mm-hmm. she, uh, there was definitely a gleam in her eye, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there was a gleam in her eye, and and then you know you get the the scene where they're costumed and they're under the mistletoe and she licks him. Um, which again, you're just like, wow, <laughs> this is this is what rating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going through this, you know, you know, for back then, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, and, and you, you get the line from you know, Penguin when he sees her, that whole dialogue when they're trying to plot how to frame uh, Batman, mm. uh, and, and that gets and a little that caught the canary. Yes, the cat that caught the canary. They they kind of threaten each other's pets, but just before you know, for that they're talking about ointment and <laughs> and, and that you know, and, and there's a, a little more contact. Uh, Cole, what'd you think? Of, does, does it surprise you with the the overall <coughs> uh, sexual theme that actually is running through this film? Yeah, yeah, it, it surprised me then, and it surprises me now, and I'm I'm glad they did it. You know, I think it it takes the it really experiments with what you can do with sexuality in a comic book film because a lot of the perverse stuff 
in this movie, I mean, a lot of it's for jokes, but mm -hmm. some of it isn't, right? I mean, some of it's pretty uh, serious. I mean, even Catwoman, who uh, saves a woman from being raped, d doesn't necessarily have nice things to say to the woman either. It's pretty, you know, it's not very politically correct. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, just that little bit, you know, not to yeah. cause a huge, but I'm just saying stuff like that is intentional. They don't just throw stuff like that in. You know, you make it so easy waiting for a Batman to come and save you. And yet, you know, she ends up becoming attracted to this Batman. But the, the story in itself, to me, is about sort of perversion, sexual perversion, very much so in the case of the Penguin. He's a pervert. The character is a pervert. Um, it, it sort of offset by this really, really hot romance that's happening. And I'm sure I'm the only person on the panel tonight who thinks it's hot. I think this is probably <laughs> what Burton was trying to go for when he initially cast Sean, Sean Young in mm -hmm. the first film was something a little bit, I mean, I love Vicki Vale. I love Kim, what Kim Bassinger did. That film is monumental and it's perfect. But as a romance unto the Batman story, this is as, as good as I've seen. That, that scene where they're making out and it's really, you get the feeling these two people are connected. You know, it's really not Hollywood, tonguey type, type of kisses. The, the focus is on the fireplace and the warmth which you haven't gotten. Most of the shots are in this cold, gritty city. And you get this fireplace and this warmth, and yet you get their scars, right? They can't get close to each other because of their, their scars. And the, the whole story is about this. They're trying to connect, and they can't because of this perversion around them. And Don made the great point about the penguin possibly having cancer, which I think is key. I hadn't even thought of that. So this, it's the city itself that's this cancerous thing. And uh, Batman's like, if you'll only come home with me, you know, just come <laughs> home and we'll solve all of this. But really, they've been perverted on the inside by these villains and they just, they can't walk away from their shadowed egos. But to, short story long, Mark, it's a sexual film and, and a surprisingly sexual film, both for the romance and for these really gross one-liners that are pretty nasty you know they they are they are pretty nasty uh overall glenn uh, with the sexual themes and that did you have anything to add about it uh did that come through to you when you first watched it oh the yeah uh pervy pervy pants yeah that, yeah. that, that was <laughs> but, but not just pervy pants, but the other, the, I mean, because actually all the characters in here, do you think it's he was trying to go for it because these are heightened characters versus your normal person? I mean, there's going for it and there's hitting you with a sexual sledgehammer. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about this film is that he he made it very dark, and it surprised the producers because of just how dark he made it. Because they wanted kind of more of a family superhero film, <laughs> and Batman Returns definitely is not, you know, what I think they had in mind. Family oriented. Hmm? It's not exactly feature films for family. No, it, it's it, there's a lot of stuff going on, though. I I did like they still kind of had a bit of the detective thing in here, and we do get more Alfred Pennyworth. Glenn, you have to at least like the fact we get more Alfred Pennyworth in this. 
Sure. Sure. <laughs> I know it's not called Alfred uh, Pennyworth, but um, hey, that'd uh, be a good movie. That would have been. That would be awesome. A whole movie told from Alfred's perspective. Yes. Copyright yes. spoiler. From, yo- uh, from from young, uh, uh, from how he became who he was. Yeah, dude, an Alfred story. <laughs> Alfred <laughs> origins. <laughs> yeah, Alfred origins. I- Watch Gotham. You get a lot of that in there. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. what I hear. Uh, that's, that's, awesome. about, that's about the only thing I liked from what uh, I've watched of Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> There's a the whole nother uh, fandom for Gotham versus uh, uh, some real fans of the comics. But we actually have a viewer in the room. And uh, Wild Man Beyond has asked, what do we think of the soundtrack without Prince? We, we don't really get a pop album to a, a you know a, attached to this one we get a Susie and the Banshees song Glenn I heard a sigh uh, <laughs> maybe because they knew that it wasn't the family oriented version they just slapped whoever on to, uh, to begin with Su- Susie and the Banshees well I think they're kind of going for that Catwoman feel forever Glenn yeah. what was that <laughs> Susie the Banshees tainted forever <laughs> you did not like uh <laughs> There's song attached to this movie? No, I don't. I'm a big Susie fan, so. Ah. Um, I mean, it, I think I think the Prince soundtrack originally is just so. I think there's so much in the first movie that that's so vastly superior to this mm-hmm. that that it's to to me just so much of it was a letdown. Right. Yeah, and it is, I can see definitely the way it's approached, especially for a bad fan. Like I said, I love both of them, but I'm, I'm, I think, but I think the thing is, and I think I realize that just talking with you guys tonight, I enjoy Batman Returns as a Tim Burton film more than a Batman film. Yes, I agree. And I think that's what it truly is, is the first one is a Batman film. This is Tim Burton presents Batman. <laughs> you know, this, this is if this is his own version of it. Whereas the first one maybe stuck a little more to the comic. This is really just Burton Batman, almost. Uh, and I think that's why I like him equally is because I, I grew to really like Burton. So I watched this. But now that I'm thinking about talking to you guys tonight, you really brought it to perspective for me. I like Returns because. Not that it's a Batman film, but it's Tim Burton film. <laughs> so, and, um, and Burton really went out of his way uh, with the script, um, whether it was his original intention or not. He really went out of his way to make this a stand-apart film, not a direct sequel, mm-hmm. and certainly not something that the next movie is directly following but just one isolated adventure so to speak in in the batman universe right almost like you had with you know frank miller's dark knight and such where you have this alternate story told you know that may not actually fit into canon that Mm -hmm. it's you know its own thing you know and I, i think maybe that's what the approach is with it uh, David, how about you? Uh, did you did you miss a pop song with this at all? <laughs> Not really, because I, I, I'm to uh, to me, 
I guess uh, when I think. Uh, when I think of the soundtrack uh, tra tracks with Batman, it was Danny Elfman all the way. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 I've been a Danny Elfman fan since he was Boingo Boingo, and yes. from then on forward. So to me, it wasn't the soundtrack that made it. It was uh, 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 with, with the pop songs or whatnot. It was the the composed uh, uh, posement that went along with it. Along, along with this one, you know, uh, you know uh, Su uh, Susie and the Banshees didn't really stand out for me. Right. Uh, 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 but, it, you know, in the next two films, the soundtrack stands out to me uh, 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 a little bit well, we, more. I, I'm not going down that road right now. Nope, we'll wait. No, nope, no, nope, nope, yep. <laughs> We'll wait till we cover Forever and Batman Returns when we yep. talk about soundtrack. But yep. sorry, uh, no, 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 it's okay. It's I'm avoiding my trigger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that, uh, but yeah, it, it, the Susie and the Banshee song that's tacked on on here felt tacked on. It felt like we need to find something that'll you know attach itself yeah. to the Catwoman. And hey, there's this song <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, with the money they probably offered, I'm sure the Susie and the Banshees said, "Sure, okay." Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there there was at least some good, decent money offered for it. Um, but uh, I asked each one of you if you had a question, maybe something that we haven't touched on tonight that you wanted to bring to the group to discuss or, or a question or something. And uh, we'll start with uh, Cole. Did you have anything that we haven't already touched on that you maybe wanted to bring up the for well, the group yeah. to talk about? Yeah, yeah, uh, my generous host, but I sort of feel like I already know the answer. Um, I, I was going to ask, you know, would you have been interested in seeing a third film by Burton and with Keaton? And, uh, you know, just very briefly, what would you have liked to have seen in it? But I don't know. Oh. Yeah. I don't really think. I don't know no. if you guys would have liked that, man. <laughs> well, even though our panel here, most of them didn't quite care for Batman Re Returns, uh, let's go down and, and find out because uh, I know what my answer is, but I'd love to hear this. Uh, Glenn, <coughs> if Burton was going to do a third film, I, I know you didn't quite like his direction with this. What would have you liked to have seen him do with that third film? Hmm. Um. Boy, that's a tough. I mean, on the spot, I don't know. Um, right. What if they took that script for forever, but had Burton do it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Fair no. enough. <laughs> um. I don't... Do you think he could have brought something new yet, or did you, with the direction you saw him take with Batman Returns, did you kind of just want him to stop? Anyway, I was I was kind of done with him after after Batman Returns, really. Sure, sure. Um, and which is sad because I I mean I love Burton's style, but there's a lot of things where I a lot of Burton films that I watched him, I'm like. All right. If if you take out his visual effects, it's really not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, is how I feel about a, a fair amount of his stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so he makes very very pretty movies. Yeah. Um, but at times, they they lack 
the, the substance that makes for what I think is a great film. Mm-hmm. I, I can go along with that. I can I can see that definitely. I mean, he's done some great stuff, but just uh, too, uh, too often it, it's 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 style over substance. Mm-hmm. It's a little too much Burton and not quite so much story. <laughs> yeah. Now, mind you, I'll I'll take his his style over substance any day over say uh, Michael Bay. Right. <laughs> so. You know. I. Tim, I think Tim Burton's Fast and the Furious. Can we get that? Tim oh. Burton's Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Tim Burton's Transformers. Oh wow! Tim that Burton's Dune. Tim Burton. although, although with with modern Tim Burton, that would mean that Optimus Prime is played by Johnny Depp, <laughs> <laughs> and Megatron would have to be Helena Bottom Carter. So you just blew my mind. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you need you need Helen Bottom. Car- she need uh, she need to be like uh, RC or something. I haven't been Cybertron like that since grade school. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, our, our our viewer to room said if Burton did a third movie, Johnny Depp uh, would have been the Riddler, and Billy D. Williams would have been Two Face, like he was supposed to do. And yeah, there was. A lot of stories I had heard about the third film. Also, uh, a Wayne's brother was going to be Robin. No, no, please no. <laughs> please really? no. Are yeah. you fucking with me? Really? No, I'm not. It was uh, supposed wow. to be Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans is going to actually signed for it. Yep. Yep. Marlon wow. Wayans was going to be Robin. Okay. They they had Depp, and there was also talk at the time because of what they ended up doing to Robin Williams. As Joker, they were talking about trying to bring him in as the Riddler, possibly. At least that, I remember reading an article or two in a magazine where there there was mention of it possibly happening. Um, and and as Tim Burton says, he would have liked to go even darker than Batman Returns, <laughs> which means you just watch an hour and a half of a black screen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because um, his films do, do uh, keep on getting darker. They, they they do for a while, especially in the in the nineties. There, uh, David, what about you? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to see a Burton do a third film, did you like the direction he was going, or or what would you like of a scene from it? I guess uh, because this one was a flop, uh, sort of, at the time. Uh, I would, I would have been open to it. Mm-hmm. I w- uh, just to see how twisted and demented he would have taken it. Yeah. Uh, be, uh, be, uh, because uh, you automatically know when you're going into the Tim Burton world that you're going to uh, see something fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's for sure. Uh <laughs> Actually, Burton should have that like on his resume, uh, just at the top. You're gonna see something fucked up. Um, <laughs> and here's my list of movies to prove that. Uh, <laughs> Don, if Burton were to do a third film, what would you have liked to see from it? I, I would have liked to see um, Billy D. Williams come back as Two Face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Billy D. Williams could have pulled it off too. I I really do. As far as, um, as far as anything else, I, I don't know. Um, I was okay where it, where it stopped. I mean, they had to make a 
choice moving forward. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that where they went improved anything, but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> um, but I don't necessarily know that going darker would have improved anything. Sure. Yeah, I would have liked to see his uh, concept where he had Billy D. Williams as Two-Face um, at least. And even I, I would have even been interested to see where he would have gone with you know, Marlon Wayne's is Robin. I just, I'm trying to picture no. this story that he would have put together and uh, it, anything just out of curiosity, just to see that script um, would be interesting. Uh, maybe not necessarily something you want to see come to light, but I think it'd, it'd be interesting to see where he wanted to take it, good or bad. Um, you know, uh, Cole, what about you? What did you want to see from a third film to answer your own question? Uh, I, I boy, I, I, you know, I just, I, I don't have, I just would have liked to have seen another Burton Batman movie, but as Don said, I think it was fine where it ended. Um, I think more than anything, it would have just divided the fans more, which I think mm -hmm. Batman returns is sort of at that point where it was sort of splitting the fans, you know, apart. Um, granted not as much then because the internet really didn't exist, but, uh, still. It was just. It was just starting. It was in its infant mosaic yeah. gifts, yeah. you know, news group but age yet. So. I, I just, I guess, I would add the note that we don't know it necessarily would have gone darker. We do know that he was going to add the Robin. You know, we do know that a lot of these ideas, the Two Face, a lot of the ideas Schumacher, you know, carried along were ideas Burton threw out at his initial pitch. Yeah. Um, if, if we're to believe Burton, this is these are his words. I'm paraphrasing, but he went in, did a pitch, halfway considering to do it, and they were they kept they all of a sudden he realized they were trying to talk him out of doing it, and he said, "Well, I don't worry, I'm not offended. Like goodbye, you know." <laughs> well, and that's it, where it ended. As David alluded earlier, and I remember an article reading an article where Tim Burton really didn't want to do the sequel, but. They offered him so much money that he it was basically he was like, okay, if I get to do this big film, that means uh, I can make enough money in that to go and do my smaller film, you know, which uh, do indie films, which talk, you know, listening to the commentary on the first Batman and then li remembering these interviews that they kind of did with Burton afterwards. Um, it made me realize he likes, I honestly think he likes doing the smaller films because after Batman Returns, you know what film he did? Ed Wood. Which is a lot of people, is, which is a very good film. Which is, yeah, I mean, a lot of people consider it Burton's masterpiece. I mean, nobody in my circle of friends, but the some critics and stuff, you know. Well, and what movie did he do after Batman? Edward Scissorhands. Yes. So Burton kind of has this kind of following of, I'll do the Planet of the Apes. A lot of people hate that film. It was a big budget flop, basically, but he made a big budget film. They asked him to do it. He went on to do Big Fish. <laughs> he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and what did he do next? Corpse Bride. I mean, you can almost see a pattern here. <laughs> let's make um, let's make a, a movie that bombs, so that I can do the uh, the stuff that really matters. <laughs> right. 
make enough movie on the bomb so yeah i can go and do something uh, more involved you know so maybe that is the the approach he's been taking that's looking at his imdb page you almost wonder <laughs> if that's kind of what he's going for but uh we'll move down the line here uh, david uh, did you have a question or topic that we may not have touched on tonight that you may want to bring to the group the only thing i i, I had it's not a question it's just no uh, it's just an overall reaction to the penguins at the uh, at world's end so to speak sure um how they got those penguins to be trained to go to those corner corners of the of the town is beyond me because i, I mean it even though I know that uh, that when they march, when penguins march, they actually are very single file, you know. But mm -hmm. how, uh, to be able to get that many penguins going to one section and meeting, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I like the penguin segment in here. It was impressive the, them wrangling actual real penguins with missiles on it and that behind the scenes feature that i said that i actually have on the youtube channel they show that they show them wrangling penguins and how they mixed in real penguins with animatronics to achieve what they needed to but uh yeah it was impressive they wrangled that many penguins i think they had 30 or 35 penguins that they used for each of those shots um and yeah, I, I, as cheesy as it was, it is impressive, and I think it goes along with what we were talking about earlier with uh, Burton having at least a visual style. Uh, so it, it was impressive. Some of the things they did in here, they also did ratcheting uh, in here. If you don't mind me expanding on that a bit, David, uh, you're talking about the technical aspect, not only wrangling the uh, penguins, but they made a big deal with the ratcheting where they attached small cables to cars, and they pulled the cars aside when the Batmobile yeah, was crazy. I saw that. and when I saw that and when people were but another thing I noticed on the penguins mm -hmm. is that they actually had these little metal suits like they were yeah. warriors you yeah know? They, <laughs> I mean you saw these little triangle metal plates on their chests like they were actually going into battle <laughs> Glenn Glenn what'd you think about at least the special effects in here with with some of the action scenes and and the penguins and that did did you think that held up at least for you yeah, for the most part. I mean, again, like I said before, I mean, uh, I mean, Burton does style. He does. He does visually. He does really good stuff. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that holds up fine. Yeah, hey, Don, how about you? Would you agree with that? That uh, with the penguins and at least you know the visual aspects of this uh, special effects that they do in here hold up and and they're impressive. Absolutely, I I have been uh, trying to find where I read, and I cannot for the life of me remember where I read this, um, but this was uh, in addition to that, those uh, visual effects, practical visual effects. Is this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I swear I read that this was the last film that they did all with, uh, with the sets built inside on, uh, on sound stages. Too. Yes, this was one of the last mm -hmm. films that they did that with. So, yeah, <laughs> quite a bit more control to be able to do those stunning practical effects. Yeah, because uh, Forever and Batman and Robin 
both had more location shots. They didn't really do things on sound stages. So you 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 kind of leave that built world that they had in here. Um, and Cole, how about you? Just real quick, uh, the, the visual yeah. effects with the penguin wrangling and and you know the ratcheting that they did with the cars, which apparently had never been done before, and they did that with people in the ballroom scene. Uh, what do you think of the visual stuff with this? Absolutely amazing. It's it was so wonderful tonight to be able to sit there and watch this uh, with with my fiance and my stepson. And there's you know a couple shots of the penguin when he first meets uh, Walken at, at the depths of the sewers there, and he's laying out his whole you know spiel. And behind him, you see the the penguins in, in the pool darting back and forth. And just to know they're not computer generated, you right. know, to know they're either real. Or they're, they're somebody's makeshift robot, and it you can tell, you know, it just it it just Burton sets bleed of authenticity, even even in their artificiality, if that right. makes sense. I, I was uh, make I'll make this very quick. Listening to Kevin Smith's he he does he does a po uh, commentary for all four of these movies, which you can find on YouTube. The the first four movies of the formal series and. I, I believe there's a point where they make fun of this for reusing extras, you right. know, because, and I personally think that's part of its charm. That this, I love Kevin Smith. There's no, not to badmouth him, but the fact that this, this world isn't populated with miniature CGI people, Jesus, it's just amazing. I, you know, I'll never go tired of, of that type of storytelling. The smaller type of storytelling where you have to hire extras. Here, quick, put on a different hat and a different sweater and jump in that shot and things like that. Uh, I think the special effects in here were great. I don't know how they did them all. I'm going to research it more because just talking about it gets me enthusiastic. But as you said, the penguin shots are amazing. Yeah, yeah, the penguin shots. You got still got miniatures like you had in the first one. Um, yeah, as. Glenn said, and everybody here alluded to, you know, Tim Burton's definitely a visual guy, more so than maybe the storyteller uh, all the time with most of his films. And the visuals still hold up here watching what they did. And thinking about it today, the same film would have definitely been CGI'd cars, CGI background. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking a world where they're still doing, you know, really full-on matte paintings. We don't get as many in, in Gotham City in this one, but you still get some full-on matte paintings yeah, in here. Huh? I said fodder for the fire. Fodder for the fire, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you close close set, you, you set everything on fire and walk away. There you go. Don, <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you have anything that we haven't touched on tonight that you maybe wanted to bring to the group? Um, yeah, just kind of. Um, does anybody else feel that without Christopher Walken as Max Shrek, uh, the movie wouldn't have been nearly half as good because for me he's the whole point mm -hmm. he is the linking pin between everybody in here um and walking it was great in here he really hammed it up uh david what, what do you think do you, do you think this film if it wasn't walking and shrek that this film would be probably a, a lesser film and and it wouldn't hold together because he is pretty much the glue, isn't he? Yeah, he he basically is because he's like this corporate conglomerate that's pretty much okayed by the mayor, you know. And uh, of course, he's got a dark side, you know. But 
I had a different uh, aspect to him, I, 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 though he was great in the film. He somewhat rem it reminds me in look as he did as the Hessian in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does, actually. Now that you mentioned it, with the hairstyle that he had. Uh -huh. uh, it, yeah, you're right. Well, you know, maybe they're related. So <laughs> In the Burton universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the only thing that I had. I mean, I kept on thinking, okay. I mean, he is very theatrical, and t uh, to be honest, he played a cat too. So, uh, so yeah. To uh, t uh, to me, uh, I mean, he played Puss in Boots back in the day. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I think he brought another aspect since he uh, since there was Catwoman in, in in the film. There was that aspect to right. him. So it's almost like you could almost see him as being a mentor to. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer a little bit. Almost, or at least she learned kind of how to be bad from him, uh, <laughs> even if he wasn't trying. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cole, how about you with uh, feelings with uh, Christopher Walken and his portrayal of Shrek? Would you say that, yeah, without him, this would be would probably be a lesser film? Well, Donna said one of the, the best things on the show tonight, and I think it's important because a lot of the reviews, at least that came out when it was first released, said, well, this this movie suffers from one extra villain that serves no point. Uh, go ahead, go on YouTube after our show is done and look up Cicel and Ebert's review. That's like their main point, is that the walking character does not need to be there, and that is so missing the point of this movie and we could i could talk for an hour about it and we don't have time to but i'll just agree with dawn and, and cut it short and say you know first of all i believe it's not a, a character from the comics am i am i wrong i mean I, I think it's just burton's probably suggestion to the screenwriter to come up with uh this this character named after the german guy who played the original nosferatu and and play this evil political leader that we're still battling in real life so i i think it for so many reasons, it's the mm -hmm. most. It, it is the driving force of the movie. This Max Shrek guy. I mean, he is. He is even for Bruce Wayne character taking him on for you know in, in Bruce Wayne form, not in Batman form. Which uh, is a great scene. That scene is key because everybody, when Batman Forever came out, said, "Oh, finally Bruce is out on the town getting shit done." And it's like, wait, did you guys not see the pre? Anyway, sorry. No, that's okay. It's, it's yeah, it's. Uh, Glenn, how about you? Anything to add? Do you think uh, it'd be a lesser film without walking? Every film's a lesser film without walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Uh, yeah, I have to agree uh, that walking, the fact they got walking to play this character helped, and this character does actually uh, connect everybody together, and, and he's the motivation for everyone, uh, in all honesty, for doing things. So. I would not say that he was a, a toss-up villain in general. He wasn't a, you know, as died in a wool villain. You know, I mean, he, he he was a corporate guy, but he wasn't the mega villain. But in all honesty, because of him, <laughs> he is why what motivates everybody to do what they do. It motivates Batman. It motivates uh, the Penguin. You know, Catwoman. Of course, she's got a revenge. So. Yeah, it's uh, and having Walken in it. If you had someone else, I don't. I think the film really falls apart then. Or if you just don't have this character altogether, trying to come up with getting these characters together, which 
you know, I think this film does it better than later superhero films where they feel like they need to put every single character in the movie. I'm looking at you, Spider-Man 3. Um, <laughs> you know, this one, at least you have everybody kind of has a similar motivation or a common factor of what's driving them rather than, oh, look, suddenly we've got this guy popped up because the producer wanted to see him in an outfit. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, did you have anything tonight that we haven't already touched on that you wanted to bring up? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. No. Oh, no, that's no, we've, we've touched on everything that sure. No, that, that, I've made my complaints. You you made your complaints. Yes. Batman Returns is in many eyes and even those on the panel here uh, was the, the lesser film and the box office spoke to it, though it did make money. Uh, even, you know, by today's standards, it, it, it made double it, it. It made its box office back. So back then that was enough to justify another sequel, which we got the Batman forever, um, which we are going to talk about next week. It is Bat Month here, uh, and it, that's that'll be an interesting discussion because that film is completely different uh, than these first two films. So uh, I look forward to talking about that. But now's the part where uh, we just want to get people's uh, uh, final initial uh, quick thought on where they, you know, these first two films we've gone through where they're seeing the Batman series and and they're feeling on Burton as a whole if they if he they think he did a good thing overall or, or bad thing so why don't we uh yeah why don't we go with that uh you know these two films as even if you didn't like returns do you think burton helped get this uh you know franchise rolling again or do you think he maybe was a hindrance uh to it and, and it's the reason why we got the schumacher films and then also let us know where they can we find you at so cole what do you think do you think uh these these first two films burton helped get the franchise rolling even though the second film didn't go the direction they wanted it to yeah yeah man i, I think it was huge uh, mm. i know you guys uh discussed uh 1989's batman last week uh this film was a different kind of movie it was promoted as more of a christmas movie you know even <laughs> they had like snowflakes and the ads remember that i swear they did yeah well they I, did they, they did. did. It was a very odd. You know, the Warner Brothers logo was kind of covered in snow. Um, so it was a different kind of, you know, movie. Um, and and I just, I, I, all I can say is he, he made one that turned out the way everybody involved could have dreamed, right? I mean, he did things he didn't want to do, namely the, the big fight scenes that I love in the first film that aren't really here in this movie. You get your share of action, but you get both sides of the Burton coin. It's it's an interesting, you know, two movies, you know, to watch them back to back. I think he did nothing but good things for the franchise. And I, I guess about this film specifically, I, I, I would like to say, you know, I do enjoy it as a Batman movie. It's not, maybe not the greatest Batman movie, and it's maybe not the truest, you know, to the mythology or the characters, specifically when, you know, dealing with the penguin, but it's it was a good step. At least mm -hmm. they they knew that they didn't have to go any further in that direction, you know, and they did their other thing. So I love it. It's one of my favorite movies, actually. It's it, it's weird. It's, it might not be my favorite Batman movie, but it's one of my favorite movies, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure. No, that makes sense. 
If you can, you can find me on uh, Shadows and Lovers Productions on Facebook. We we make movies. We watch movies. We got movies coming out. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, David, uh, Don, and Glenn, it's, it was good hearing your thoughts too. I have so much more to think about now. You know. <laughs> awesome. And uh, David, your, your your final thought with this, with the uh, Burton's first two Batman films, was it good or? bad overall and uh i think it was a little bit of both i think it was a little bit of both uh, uh, more or less be, uh, because along with the batman movie franchise uh, there are your true diehard fans and your people that just love to watch movies yeah <laughs> um and whether it was good or ba bad or whatnot then that's always discussed afterwards but um, as an overall, obviously there were two other Batmans plus, uh, plus Christopher Nolan's reboot, you know? So, so obviously the, the universe continued, uh, and as long into the Gotham TV series as well. So uh, to me, obviously it continued, right? The interest is there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so regardless whether people hated the film or loved it. It, it it's there in cinematic history, and you know, I, uh, I I think his style really influenced Batman from there on. <laughs> I think bit. so too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then where can they find your stuff at, David? Well, um, uh, I run uh, Movies Galore Milwaukee, um, which is a group as well as a review page, uh, uh, which I've got the website connected to the. Uh, uh, to the website uh, or the review page or whatnot, mm -hmm. and sometimes we discuss anything from silent films to present, current, in development product uh, projects. If there is a thought or two, but mostly I just post and people view whatever I post. So <laughs> awesome, which enough. is fine with me. It I'll just keep posting. <laughs> it will definitely add a link to that uh, to the uh, Special Mark Productions site for you on that. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here. And Don, how about you? Your your thought with Burton's impact with with Batman? Yeah, I liked Returns more than I liked uh, the '89 one. Uh, and do you think Burton at least it helped spark that franchise and and get it rolling? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that there was a lot that happened in this in this film, things that were intended to happen that didn't happen, things that were too complex and weren't fulfilled. Was it was it Burton, was it the producers, was it the fan base, was it whatever? It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the I I definitely think that Burton's vision has certainly influenced all Batman movies mm -hmm. following this, not just the Schumacher ones, but the Nolan ones. And, and now the, uh, the uh, Zack Snyder uh, vision of the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I can be found in the audience.net. Um, although my um, blog is being transferred to a new server. So there's some, issues at the moment but it'll get back mother mother nature had other plans for the servers so. yeah there was <laughs> weather yes. and, and glenn your feelings on the whole uh, 
I know you didn't quite care for returns and that, but for Burton's influence and, and you think he helped really get things rolling and, and why we're still having the Batman of today? Is the El Camino the best car ever made? No. But <laughs> but when you see one, you go, hey, that looks cool. And it's just part of an overall chain mm -hmm. of, of you know, kind of nifty things that have happened with Batman. Not all of them are good. You know, you have Schumacher's, uh, you know, uh, AMC Gremlin. And you have this one here, which, you know, has, has, has great style. So... Um, I, I think it's it serves its purpose. It it, it has its place in history um, of of the Batman franchise, and it's you know as far as the Batman franchise goes, it's on on definitely on the positive side, much more than it is on the negative side of the <laughs> Batman franchise. So yes, and where can they find you at, sir? You can find me, if you still want to, on the internet with uh, the B-Movie Bunker on YouTube, also on Facebook, GuyInABunkerProductions.com, or just follow me on Twitter at GuyInABunker. Awesome. And we just want to thank Wildman Beyond for listening in live to us. You can catch us on iTunes, Spoiler Room. Look for the uh, the Spoiler Room channel there on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can also find our archive on SpecialMarkProductions.com where you can find all our past episodes as well as our most current episode. And if you're at all interested whatsoever in other reviews and stuff I do, you can find links there. My final thoughts with Batman Returns is I enjoy it as a Burton film, maybe not quite as much as a Batman film. And I came to that realization tonight, which is why I love doing this show. And I thank my uh, fellow crew members tonight sitting down in the spoiler room and, and helping giving me some food for thought on the whole though. Yeah, I agree. Burton, uh, whether you like him or not, he helped influence Batman, not only the movies, but the comics to come uh, in all honesty, his style influenced and, and encouraged. And I think uh, uh, motivated people behind the Batman, the animated series, which in my personal opinion is the best comic, uh, best cartoon that was made in my in my era of being young one to to now i i love the animated series uh and you see his influences yet today even in the most modern batman and the comics uh so i i think he was good overall even though batman returns did not go the direction uh that many people wanted it to but Burton also does does a little dig to the fans in this film, which gives you that impression that he didn't quite want to do it. Uh, there's a scene where Burton is... Uh, he gives a little nod to the 60s Batman in that Burton uh, has Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne flip a little switch in an aquarium to basically get to the bat tube rather than the bat pole. But while he's doing that, he's doing a line of dialogue. And uh, Alfred Pennyworth questions him about huh. the repairing of the Batmobile, and he goes, there's a question of security involved. And, <laughs> and our Bruce Wayne goes, security? Who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? You know, I'm sitting there studying, and I turn around and I said, oh, hi, Vic, how you doing? That line, after you listen to the commentary on the 1989 Batman, is Burton's direct dig 
at the fans who gave him death threats because he had a scene where Vicky Vale went into the Batcave. I swear it, it is why he put it in there. And uh, so, yeah, you, you can tell he didn't want to quite do Batman Returns. It is more Burton than a Batman film, but overall, his style between these two films has influenced Batman and, and got it sparked to why we still have this today and why, you know, a lot of that style still creeps up in the art of both the comics and the movies. So hope you've enjoyed our discussion here. Uh, I know we went a little long tonight, but uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, great crew here tonight. Thank you, David, for joining us. I uh, look forward to having you in here for our third Times of Charm and Bat Month special next week with Batman Forever. We're going to have some uh, same crew members here in that one as well. Uh, look forward to your comments as well. Please comment on our iTunes uh, channel. Uh, rate and uh, give us a, a holler and subscribe. Would love your support. And go to our Facebook page, uh, the Special Mark Productions group, where you can have a say in what we talk about here in the Spoiler Room. And that's uh, facebook.com groups slash SMPRD. Now, uh, we're going to close it out tonight. So say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night.